Welcome to the Present Centered Life Podcast. In every episode, we talk about how to live your day-to-day life centered around the presence of God and the person of Jesus. We hope today's episode will stir up hunger for God in you. So welcome to the fourth episode in our series on living a present-centered life. You're listening to the Present-Centered Life podcast, and we are going over four keys in this series to growing in God's presence. And so the first key that we hit on was what is living a present-centered life and describing that. The second one was how to have constant conversation with God. The third one, how to hunger for more of God and how hunger affects our ability to live in communion with the Lord. And then here in the fourth episode, we are going to unpack trust as a foundation for living a life rich and deep in the presence of God. I'm Hazen Stevens. I'm one of this show's hosts, along with my lovely co-host. Hey there, Hannah Stevens. And we are really excited to have this conversation today. This has been a powerful revelation, this key that we're covering, the key of trust in my wife's life. And I'm excited to unpack that with her and take time to ask some really good questions about her journey. I think it's going to be really powerful for all of our listeners. And so as always, we want to invite you to stay until the end. We're going to pray a prayer of blessing and impartation, and we're going to jump right into the conversation. But first, Hannah, would you pray for us? Absolutely. We love you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We welcome your presence here to guide this time, guide our conversations. I pray that you would even reveal our hearts to us and for to the listener and even as Hazen and I are talking together that you would show us resistances to trust or where our hearts lie um, in regards to these things and that you would usher us into next steps of just wholehearted trust before you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Hannah, I want to open with a question to you. How did you discover that trust was a significant key for you growing in communion with God and living a present-centered life? So Hazen, um, I had been a believer for my whole life. And to the degree that I knew how, I trusted God. And, and this really actually ties, builds so well on our what we discussed last week as relates to hunger. Because, you know, there were certain things that I was, like we mentioned in the last episode, when you see people around you who are experiencing things in God and you want that, like I was in that space where I was seeing people fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit in deep ways and even discerning the presence of God. And I was like, these are areas where I want to grow. And I began in hunger to seek those things, but was not getting anywhere. And like we talked about in the last episode with importunity, I wasn't going to give up. And I was basically like, Lord, just show me, is it something in me that is blocking me receiving what I know is in your heart and what I know is available in the Holy Spirit? And in the process of seeking that, the Lord gently and lovingly showed me that I wasn't able to partake in the good things He had for me and that He has for all of His children because I did not trust Him in the ways that I thought I did. And so as you're hungering for more, You're asking of God, but as you're asking of Him, you realize there's a deficiency of trust. 
Yes. Can you name what it was that that caused you to not trust the Lord? Before I answer that, Hazen, I wanted to just kind of offer a verse as a biblical kind of precedent for trust. And it is in Psalm 22, verse 9. It says, Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You made me trust when upon my mother's breasts. And I love this scripture because, you know, trust, trust isn't something that forms when we have like even the rational consciousness to, to offer trust to a person. It's something that we must do because as humans, we are fragile, we have needs, and God in his grace has put us in families to provide loving environments to keep us safe so that we can learn how to trust and receive independency from the people around us. As many of us know, we live in a fallen world and there's brokenness. And a lot of times the safe experiences that we were meant to have are compromised. And very early on in life, in many different ways, we learn that the world is not a safe place and that we can't trust God or the people around us. So that's a little bit of the precedent behind it. In my case, I had, um, in my college years, began to open up my heart to trust God in certain ways, and I believed that there was things that He promised me and that I was beginning to walk in. But I didn't know that my understanding of those promises were limited and not entirely accurate. And so when life didn't pan out in the ways I was expecting, I began to believe the lie of, God, your heart wasn't really good towards me. And I felt really disappointed at him. Hmm. And that was the starting place of me not trusting him. So you were in a place where you were expecting certain things of God and you felt like he didn't come through for you. And I'm sure every person that has followed the Lord for any amount of time can name moments in their own journey where they trusted God, they believed God for something, and it didn't happen. And I think the picture you painted earlier of how fragile oftentimes trust can be in our uh, lives where, where a lot of times we'll even struggle with trusting God, not because God has disappointed us, but because those that were meant to represent him, a pastor, a leader, a parent, uh, an authority figure of influence in our lives, disappointed us, and then we project onto God the disappointments that we've experienced with other authorities. And so, to your point, our trust sometimes with God can be affected in lots of different ways, but there is this biblical precedent that you mentioned from Psalm 22, this invitation to rest upon God as a baby would rest upon its mother. And I think that's a beautiful picture of the place that that God longs for us to be. So disappointed expectations, that was a part of what broke your trust with the Lord, something we can all relate to. How did you, what did that cost you? And then how did you begin to recognize that and remedy that so you could step into what God had for you? Yeah, in Proverbs it says, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And in the case of, of hope deferred or when we're really offering our hearts and choosing to trust and believe and then it doesn't happen. 
what do we do with, with that disappointment? And, you know, I think the risk and I think the danger that I fell into is it made me afraid to hope again and afraid to believe that God would um, come through in the areas I was asking. So at the same time, I had the tension of, but I want these things in God and I really will not be satisfied unless he answers me in these places where I'm wanting to experience him in a, in a deeper way. So for me, the steps forward, I just began to get prayer. Anytime there is ministry time at my church, I just raised my hand in humility of like, I'm stuck. I don't know how to get there. I wasn't even, I wasn't even aware of my resistances and my lack of trust that had built up with the Lord. But I was like, I'm just going to have people pray for me. So people would come and gather around and pray for me. And I was like, I will continue to do this until the breakthrough happens. And that's where I was for weeks and weeks and weeks. So when you describe the, the barrier to trusting God, how did that barrier ultimately get broken through and you grow to a more trusting place with the Lord? And I'm also curious, what do you feel like the absence of trust cost you in the, your relationship with God? And so you can kind of answer those in whatever order makes sense. How did you get the breakthrough? And then the disappointed expectations, damaging trust with the Lord. What did that, what did that cost you? Yeah, I'll answer that first. Um, I know the cost of not trusting God is it caused me to live independently mm. and trusting in my own resources and my own strength and my own abilities. And I'm like, okay, people won't come through me, come through for me because of in, because of that's what's been my history. And now God isn't going to come through for me, so it's up to me. And I, I latched on to those faulty, faulty beliefs. And it cost me really the grace of God being able to flow through my life because I was only relying on myself and independence instead. So that was a serious problem. Any kind of progress I was wanting to make in the faith. There was, I know the Holy Spirit was in it a little, but there's some serious blockages because of my, my striving and independence that was leading the way in my own spiritual formation. So when, for you, when you weren't living in the place of trust, you lived independently. And it's, we know only in that place of dependence, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm reminded also of Matthew 18, verse 3, where Jesus says, truly I say to you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And some people associate that childlikeness with innocence, but I think it also speaks of a, a simplicity of trust and faith and dependence. And so what I hear you saying is that your struggle in trusting the Lord really costs you that sense of dependency and, and seeing God come through for you because you weren't willing to lean on him in that way. So how did you change that dynamic, come out of independence and come out of your own, own effort to provide for yourself emotionally, a variety of different ways, the ways you're describing, and enter into that place of trusting and seeing God come through for you in a renewed way. Yeah. Well, first of all, I saw in the scriptures what it said about the invitation to trust, and the guiding scripture for me in that season of my life was in Psalm 131, 
where it says, verse 2, Surely I have composed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child rest against his mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me. And I see in the scripture an invitation to not only trust the Lord, but to compose, to quiet ourselves, to bring to rest the self-ambition, this, this, this striving in our own strength, to bring those to rest and to, to receive from God his comfort, his care, and let that even renew and heal damage that has been happened to us throughout our lives in broken trust situation with others. So that's the scriptural basis, but then really it was just such a gift of God where God sent a person. One day I was at the altar receiving prayer again, and a man came to pray for me who I didn't know I had never seen before, and he gently led me through this five-step prayer that I didn't know it, but was going to change everything about my heart because it was giving me a framework in which I could intentionally choose almost in faith, but in end in hope to open my heart and trust to God again. So take us through those points, Hannah. All right. Um, before I do, I just want to let or just give a reminder that this was my experience and in no way am I trying to make this into a process or a formula for recovering trust with God. Everyone has their unique journey and story, but I do want to offer it as something that, as a testimony of what produced breakthrough in my life and learning to trust the Lord more. So there was a five-step process that I personally have really benefited from, and I'm going to say the five things, and then I want to just talk through each one. So they are trust, surrender completely, relax, receive, and thank. So we'll start off with the top, trust. Basically in this, these five steps are, can be situated in a time of devotional prayer before the Lord where you're setting yourself before him, coming into an awareness of his presence recognizing that he is seeing you, he is with you, and just coming into that awareness of God's presence. And starting with the first point, you begin with an expression, a verbalized expression of trust to the Trinity. And that could look like, I trust you, Father. I trust you, Holy Spirit. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, God. So a verbal declaration in an adorational way of the fact that God is worthy of trust and that he, he is trustworthy. Um, in doing that, as you're connecting with yourself and the Spirit of God, in my experience, you will feel resistances arise as you just offer in an ador adorational way expressions of trust. And so that moves us to the Step two, as the resistances arise, you go to point two, you surrender completely. And as you become aware of the resistances, you simply lay them down at Jesus' feet. An example could be as you're saying, I trust you, Father. I trust you, Holy Spirit. I trust you, Jesus. 
you suddenly remember about some financial commitments later in the week and you're aware of fear of how am I going to come, how am I going to pay for these financial things? Then you move to step two, surrender completely. Lord, I surrender completely the fear I have of financial provision. And I just want to say, I trust you. And I lay that at your feet, Jesus, and I give it to you. I can't carry this on my own. So that's an example of what surrendering completely. And then I'll, after I surrender it, I return back to step one. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. And sometimes I'll feel an, an almost an inner peace of like, okay, the resistances are resolved, or sometimes another resistance will come up, and then I surrender that completely. And you continue with those two steps until you feel a sense of cleanness in your heart and that the fears and resistances that are you've been carrying within you have been surrendered at the feet of Jesus. I'll add the thought that for me as I go through a similar process with the Lord at times of coming into a place of trust around an area where I might have anxiety or struggle, it really will help me either to say the things out loud or to actually journal and write them down. So if you want just a practical tip on engaging with God in the way that Hannah's describing, writing out these steps and walking yourself through in your journal or out loud, depending on how you like to process with God, that can be a really helpful way to make your experience more concrete. And I find a lot of times if I just do something in my head or within my heart, though I still believe that God hears me, oftentimes it can be harder for me to even track with my own process of communicating with God in the place of prayer. So saying things out loud at times or journaling can make them more concrete. That's really helpful. Thanks, Hazen. So the step three after expression of trust and a surrendering of the things in your heart and the burdens as they arise. Step three is relax. Now, this step is quick and easy, but it's very important. It's beginning to feel, in your, even with your body, a just relaxing yourself into a trusting posture in God's presence. So that's consciously becoming aware of places of tension or stress in your body and releasing them and relaxing yourself. It could be closing your eyes, just taking a deep breath and just surrendering physically any places where you feel control or tightness. And what we're trying to do in this step is relaxing ourselves like a weaned child resting in her mother's arms. And that's the image I have in my mind when I enter this step. I think of when we were teaching our children how to swim and how oftentimes mm -hmm. they were uncomfortable when they took their floaties off, but they all had the ability to float. It just required them to some degree relaxing and trusting their own physical body and what we were teaching them about how to swim to actually be able to relax and float because the more they thrashed the less uncomfortable the, uh, the less comfortable they were as they were learning to try to swim the less effective they were at floating and so i think about that picture as you talk about the importance of relaxing so we trust we surrender and then we as a representation of our heart before god we actually mm -hmm. physically relax yeah, our bodies and right. our minds and then we move into the fourth step which is to receive and this step is a little bit the untangible. It's when you open up 
your heart before God and you seek with your spirit to receive from the comfort and the presence of the Holy Spirit within you. I've heard a helpful uh, metaphor be like, like your spirit is a sponge and you just want to absorb or take in the presence of God. Now this, when I, when the man first talked with me about this, like it was so foreign to me. It felt like it's definitely beyond brain, your brain or mental knowledge. And it's, it's really a, a spiritual exercise where you're opening up your spirit to receive from the spirit of God. And, um, I want to encourage you don't feel put off by this idea. Just be willing to turn off your thinker and just connect. You know your heart before God. You know you have a spirit before God. And just try to seek to connect with your inner depths and like a sponge, soak in the presence of God around you. Something that's helpful as I've thought about communing with the Lord is the biblical truth, regardless of to what degree we experience it, we all experience it in different ways at different times. But the biblical truth that God is not out there somewhere to be grasped, but he is within to be touched. He is available and he is with us and that is the promise of his word and we can attune to that. Yeah, in John 4 it says, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So in this step of receiving, we're actually drinking of the living water of the Spirit within. And then from there, the next step is to thank, to thank God for what we get in the measure that we get it and with receiving with gratitude every experience of his presence, every sense of our spirit receiving from comfort from the Lord and in a deep way, um, just receiving it through an expression of our gratitude and I will model it, but it's as simple as just thank you, God. Thank you. I receive your presence. I receive your spirit within. I thank you so much. So we begin the process with expressions of trust and verbalizing our trust to the Lord. We make note of places of resistance and we surrender those places. We relax our physical bodies and posture ourselves in a place of receptivity, both physically and at the heart level before the Lord. We receive. We receive intentionally from the river of living waters within. As you were mm -hmm. mentioning John 4, I was thinking of John seven thirty seven. Those who believe in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from their innermost being. And so there's a river within us that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we drink from that river and we allow the fullness of God to fill us and our whole being. And then we thank God for whatever our experience of him is. So what I hear you saying, Hannah, which... I feel like what you just modeled and unpacked for us will really be transformational in people who have a disappointed expectation and are finding difficulty trusting God. And I was even in my own heart as you were walking us through the steps and modeling it, just practicing along with you. And I felt my own heart engaging with the presence of the Lord in a rich and deep way. And so as we wrap up this session today on trust, as a key to 
God's presence and experiencing communion with God in a deeper way. I also want to mention how trust is really key to gaining wisdom and guidance in our relationship with the Lord. So we see in Proverbs chapter 3 that we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and we lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways we acknowledge Him and He will direct our steps. So as we try to experience God's guidance and leadership in our lives in any area, trust is a critical ingredient, this idea that we would trust God with all of our hearts and then he directs our steps. We see the same idea echoed in James chapter 1. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Verse 6, it says, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And so I really felt as we were talking about this conversation on trust and going through steps to establish trust unto an abiding sense of God's presence, that there's also this piece that there may be those that are listening that are saying, I've really sought God for wisdom in my life, but I'm not finding the wisdom or the guidance that I'm longing for. And I just want to highlight that finding the wisdom and guidance that you're longing for may be tied to your ability to trust God. And I think a big thing that we have to consider in seeking direction from the Lord is, are we testing God in our pursuit of direction, or are we trusting God in our pursuit of direction? Mm-hmm. Are we asking, saying, God, prove to me from a deficiency of trust, prove to me that you're trustworthy and you actually want to lead me or guide me, or are we coming confident that God's leadership and guidance will be given to us because he is good and he is a good father? And in the words of verse 5, he gives generously to all without reproaching us or finding fault. And so I just wanted to give that challenge as we had this conversation about the presence, living in the presence of God and living a presence-centered life, knowing that there's a place of connecting with God in communion that requires trust, and there's a place of connecting to God's wisdom that requires trust of us. Do you have any thoughts on that, Hannah? Yeah, I'm just struck, you know, in Corinthians, Paul unpacks the difference between worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom or, you know, the logic of the world versus spiritual understanding. And I'm just struck, the wisdom that God longs to give is a wisdom that can only come through spiritual understanding. And that does flood up into our mental understanding, but it really has to be birthed in a place of trust in the spiritual reality of connection and fellowship with God in our spirits. So I think that even the tool we outlined today can be helpful in connecting with the Holy Spirit in our in our spirits and in our inner man's unto spiritual wisdom flooding our souls. I think that's a brilliant connection that you're making that we gave five steps to how to connect more deeply to the presence of God, but held within the presence of God. Truly it's in that space of communion that we actually touch the wisdom of God and the clarity that we need to live and to obey. And I want to close with this scripture from Colossians 1.9. It's actually one of my favorite prayers in all of the Bible. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we do not cease to pray for you. This is Paul praying for the church in Colossae. And ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. You can't fully please the Lord unless you first have a sense of, of his will and his wisdom being fruitful in every good work, increasing the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power 
believe that that's descriptive of the kind of communion that we were talking Mm -hmm. about for all patience and long suffering with joy. So we see in this prayer this idea that we we come to know what God's will is and what his ways are, that we might actually do the things that he says and live fruitful. And from that place of fruitfulness, we experience his spirit strengthening us. We experience connection and communion with him. And that gives us the ability to persevere in all the challenges of life. So I just want to close with that as our prayer for, for those that are listening. I just wanted to also really quick before we end say that practice that I laid out I embraced it every day as a spiritual rhythm for weeks and I did it chose to do it and we were serving in the night watch shift of a prayer room at the time and I did it for several hours a night every day because I was that hungry of like I need to learn how to receive how to break down these walls of mistrust and to, to learn to trust and receive from the Holy Spirit within me. And there did come a moment where I reached like a Kairos epiphany moment of breakthrough where those walls to trust were completely brought down. And I was filled in a fresh way with not living from an independent spirit anymore, but from a place of dependency and rest and trust. And since getting that breakthrough, I haven't necessarily done the five steps the way I've laid them out continue like continuing forward but there's just a new expression of trust that I can that I can now build off of as I'm seeking the Lord so I just wanted to share that ending I'm so grateful that you added that additional part of your story because it really can give people perspective that this isn't something we pray one time and now all of a sudden our dependence and trust in the Lord is restored. It may be something that you have to walk through as with as intense a focus as the barrier of mistrust might be that's, that's ahead of you. And that may be different for all mm-hmm. different peoples, uh, for, for different places that people are in their own journey and based on what their experiences have been. So thank you for sharing the perseverance and thank you. I just feel a sense of the Lord's heart of gratitude over you that you persevered and that you can even offer that testimony for those listening that find themselves in a similar place. Could you actually pray before we jump into praying Colossians 1 9? Could you pray for perseverance for people who may be saying those five steps I recognize that's exactly what I need to step into? And, uh, and pray for them to have grace to persevere unto the breakthrough that God gave you. Yes, sure. Lord, I thank you that there's no better place to live than in the place of trust. And that there's no better place than being like a weaned child leaning against your chest, as Psalm 131 describes. God, I pray you give us strength and courage to surrender our resistances, to continue to seek you, to open our hearts to receive, even in these unmet spaces. God, that we would receive the gift of your present presence and your comfort and your life. Lord, I pray you teach us to trust again, God, and we do flee from striving and moving in our own strength and responding in these protective ways. God, I pray you teach us what true safety is in you as we learn to trust you again. And Father, we do pray for any person seeking your guidance and your wisdom 
who recognizes that mistrust has been sabotaging their ability to receive from you. Any person who's hearing this podcast and they realize the barrier to entering more deeply into God's presence has been that I've mistrusted, that I've been disappointed, or that I'm afraid to rest and trust God. And so I pray even right now that there would be a supernatural restoration of people's trust, that there would be, Lord, that there would be revelation and conviction. And then I pray that people would forsake mistrust and they would see, as Hannah said earlier, that you are the most trustworthy one and that you are worthy of our trust. And I pray, God, that you would fill people with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that that they would walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you, that we would be fruitful in every good work and we would grow in the knowledge of who you are, and that we would be strengthened with power, with all might, according to your glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. And we thank you today, God, that we can touch your presence, that even in this moment, Lord, that we would be filled with your presence that we may be filled with your peace and your joy from the place of truly trusting your heart towards us, that you are good, that you are loving, that you are kind, and that you long to be with us. I pray for any person that feels as though they're an outcast or an orphan and that they don't have the, a Father in heaven who is trusting and loving. Lord, I pray right now that they would be able to enter into their inheritance as a son or daughter in knowing that they have a Father whom they can trust. We pray these things in Jesus' name. So if you've made it through, we just completed episode four of our first series of the Present Centered Life podcast, and we've really enjoyed having you with us. And so we do not typically ask for any kinds of donations or contributions throughout our episodes, but on the final episode of our first series, we do want to give an invitation that if you have been blessed by the ministry of this podcast of Hannah and I in the Present Centered Life podcast, and you would like to give towards the production of these podcasts going forward, you can make a contribution on our website, presentcenteredlife.com or at hazenandhannah.com. And there is a donate button right there that you can click and you can give towards the production of future content for the Present Centered Life podcast. We have a producer, we have equipment that we have to pay for, and so your donations will go towards producing this content, hopefully for years to come. So thank you so much for joining us with the Present Centered Life. This concludes our final episode of Four Keys to Living a Present Centered Life.